Lord Voldemort would like to speak to a manager. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for Karens. The my lord, stammered the goblin. The my lord, we t- tried to, to st- stop them. Im- imposters, my lord. Imposters? What imposters? I thought Gringotts had ways of revealing imposters. Who were they? It was. It was. The P- Potter the Boy and t- two accomplices. I'm Heather Price Wright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And apologies if your name is Karen, I guess. Yeah, we don't mean literal Karens. Figurative Karens. We, ne- we mean the metaphysical yeah, definition. The archetypal <laughs> Karen. I don't actually think I know anyone named Karen. Do you? Boy, it's going to be real cold if you do and you can't well, remember. I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, they have like worked with a Karen, but I can't. I had an editor named Karen, and she was not archetypally Karen at all. She was awesome. It's just such a, it's like of the same era of, like, my mom and her sisters are named, like, Deb, Pam, and Susan. It's just, like, such a 70s, like... The New York Times did an analysis of, like, the top 200 names in the United States and who, on average, they voted for. And Karen's, by a large margin, actually voted against Donald Trump. So... Yeah. I mean... What are you gonna do? That's also just the gender divide in American politics. But um, I guess this is a podcast about harry potter uh apparently it's so. a short chapter so we gotta pad it out a little bit or we could just make an episode that isn't an hour and 45 minutes long <laughs> a la the most recent twilight book don't worry you will get another nibbler one of these days we know that there is a new property out there and um spoiler alert speaking of spoilers in this episode we will read it eventually hopefully sooner rather than later i'm kind of excited about it Anyway, I'm filled with dread and anticipation. This week we are, in fact, still reading Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. We are reading the very short sort of like, I don't know, it's like a little burp of a chapter. <laughs> That's gross. I don't know. It's just this funny little interregnum. Like, it's just, it's like two pages long. Anyway, it's called The Final Hiding Place. And don't worry, we have plenty to talk about. There will be spoilers. We will curse up a storm. And there will still be adult themes. This week's adult themes are flying coach, collector's items, meltdowns, hubris, and as we've all been doing so much of lately, laughing so you don't cry. Alex, what happened in this little BB chapter? Boy, this is going to be Alex summarize the chapter in less time than Jim Dale reads it challenge. And I actually I don't know if it's possible. Don't know that you're gonna succeed. The chapter is seventeen minutes long on the audiobook and uh I don't know, bets. I think you'll probably be able to keep it to ten. Oh. I'm holding you to that. I took copious notes though. Okay, let's see if we can get to it in ten. And if not, that's just funny. That's just funny. I think think it might take me longer to summarize the chapter than the chapter actually is which in that case that's not really a summary to be that, fair there's it? little interjections it's an extended riff on yeah it's a riff that's a ex- good yeah <laughs> these are less chapter summaries and more what happens in this chapter plus riffing. holistic reenactment of <laughs> harry potter and the deathly hallows we were talking about reenactments oh my god last night when we were talking about the when um So yesterday was Thanksgiving. I don't know if this is a good story, but I'm going to tell it. Uh, Yesterday was Thanksgiving. We're recording this on the Friday after Thanksgiving, and we took our annual 
walk to the park which we always do after dinner and before dessert and actually managed to see some friends uh because it was outside and everybody was sort of celebrating alone in their homes so we were talking with a friend about a recent sort of documentary series about baby animals that he discovered on Netflix and he kept referring to it well he was like but the animals in the show aren't the real animals that these stories happen to they're like animal actors retelling these animal stories and I was just like what are you talking about like where did the original stories come from and I I still don't know what can that be true? They didn't know. get animal actors to reenact other animals' stories, right? Like, it's like Unsolved Mysteries, but for, like, fucking squirrels. Like, that's <laughs> not a thing, is it? I wasn't following the thread of this conversation oh, my when God. it was happening. I was so. so mystified because, yeah, Rich was like, he was like, yeah, it's these other animals, like, acting out, like, animal stories. And I was like, again, like, how did the animals get the scripts? I don't think that's what actually happened. I think our beloved friend was very drunk on like Thanksgiving wine (laughs) and was trying to tell me that there were like these animal like reenactment actors who had like heard this one mouse's story and then like, but the mouse's story is about like being chased by like a snake. And so this it's is like, on Netflix? Yeah, but it's like, did they train the snake to like chase this other mouse but not kill it? It's, ins- I mean, it's it, listening to our friend tried to describe animal reenactment actors was like one of the true delights of my holiday. What's the show called? It's like called like baby animals or something or like cute ass animals of Netflix. Dot gov. Dot net. <laughs> uh, I think right. it might be called baby animals. I'm going to look. I mean, it. that's enticing. That's an enticing title. I also actually can't find proof that this even exists on Netflix. So it might just be like a dream Richard had about animal actors. <laughs> Uh, false memory it was one of the funniest conversations I mean to be fair it's 2020 like people just don't see each other very often so there was also this sort of like bubbling delight of just literally having a conversation with a friend I wouldn't be surprised if that's a pandemic dream because pandemic dreams have been getting really weird oh I'm back to like early April levels of yeah. what is happening in my subconscious. I had a dream that there was this like creepy kid who could tell the future by talking to like Christmas trees, like feeling <laughs> the Christmas tree. But I it could only tell the future from like the Christmas trees like perspective. So it'd be like, oh, 30 years from now, Christmas trees just in another fucking room, I guess. Like <laughs> uh it was really strange. But also, Wait, like, no, that doesn't even you work because you really usually throw one, your Christmas I? tree. You usually throw your Christmas tree away. So, like, I, my dreams just have continuity problems, much like Harry Potter. I think I had a dream where I was solving like paranormal mysteries with like children. Basically, Scooby Doo. I, I just had a Scooby Doo dream, but there was no dog. I, but... gr- I green like that. Oh, you need a dog though. But then you're just <laughs> ripping off Scooby Doo. But that's okay. There's no original ideas. So anyway, I guess we should talk about what happens yeah. in this really short. Does chapter. this count as this does part of not the count against okay. my time? Well, it starts when within this week's chapters. All right, so let's go. In this week's chapters, our heroes are clutching the back of Scales the Dragon. Which non-canonically named Scales. Headcanon named Scales the Dragon, uh, who busted them out of Gringotts. Harry has no idea where they're going to end up, and neither does the dragon, who can't see anything. I think is mostly blind, right? 
Yeah, not all the way blind. I think he has, like, sort of a general sense of the world, maybe. Like, I, there's lots of ways of perceiving. Well, but... also, like, there's a difference between, like, legally blind and, like, literally cannot see anything. So, anyway, this dragon, they're on the back of this dragon. It's flying. They can't steer the dragon. But they don't really want the dragon to know they're there because Harry thinks this dragon probably hasn't eaten in a long time and we would taste real good. Do dragons eat people? Uh, well, Harry think thinks we they might. I think we have this information. We have no proof. Well, Hagrid could tell us. But Hagrid yeah. would be like, no. And the answer would actually be like, absolutely. <laughs> Hagrid would be like, dragons love you. So Ron is swearing either out of joy or fear. Harry can't tell. It's probably a bit of both. So just this imagine. This honestly sounds very fun. It sounds terrifying. Okay, well, so you and I going, feel really differently about oh, roller fuck, coasters, too. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck me. I'm on a dragon. Like, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck the whole time. That's what I imagine Ron uh, saying. And Hermione is sobbing. Cursing. Hermione is sobbing. Get a grip, Hermione. Dude, Hermione is on the back of a dragon. They're like, I don't know how many thousands of feet in the air they are. They're all burned to shit. I'm team this is pretty fun. Okay, fair enough. You're a roller coaster person. I am not. This sounds terrifying. That's one of the main dichotomies in our relationship, I know. in fact. Being or not being a roller coaster person. I am also a haunted house and a scary movie and a general ghost person, and you are 0% no. of those things. Not. You only like ghosts when they can be busted and put in jail. Yeah. You believe in the ghost carceral state, which is actually very embarrassing for you. That is embarrassing. <laughs> when it comes to ghosts, I'm a reactionary. I am. <laughs> put them all in jail. I'm a tough on. I'm a tough on crime ghost voter. Um, abolish the Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm not an abolish the Ghostbusters kind of person. Uh, anyway, Harry has no idea where they're going to end up, but, you know, he feels mostly grateful to have escaped Gringotts, so that's a great thing for us to be talking about the week of Thanksgiving, like finding those small blessings. Harry also wonders when Voldemort will discover when Gringotts was robbed. Guess what, bro, in like two pages. They're flying through wisps of chilly cloud, which makes me wonder, how high are they? Like, they're in the clouds. They must be fucking freezing. Also... They must be having trouble breathing. Yeah, is there enough oxygen up there? <laughs> they seem like they're at, like, airplane height. Yeah. That's he's, not like, safe. he's, looking down at mountains, like, far below him. Uh, this doesn't seem, like, Plausible. physically possible. No. But also magic. Yeah, but they're not, like, they didn't, like, conjure... Like, Herm space suits? Hermione should have conjured those, like, drop-down, like, air oxygen, ma masks. oxygen masks. And then, you know, they put have to, your like, own mask on first, and Hermione. And then put it on Ron and whatever. No. Hermione needs to metaphorically and literally put on her own mask first. <laughs> Self care, Hermione. Eventually, the dragon starts to descend. The trio put up their seats and tray tables in their full upright and locked positions. They do not have time for that. No. Uh, they're flying over a land filled with mountains and lakes. Who knows where they are? I think. We don't even know what direction they left London, but it sounds like they went north. Maybe they're over the lake country. That's beautiful, right? Isn't there's Isn't like that a mountainy where, like, the lake? Trip yeah. Takes place? What's that movie called? Where I think those it's two trip. men talk about wine and then they drink wine and then they talk more? Yeah, I can't believe that's like an actual movie, but somehow it works. I kind of anyway, liked it. So this is the magic version of the trip. 
And then they made a sequel that's just called The Trip to Italy. I saw that one too. do it again. I also liked it. I found it, <laughs> I found it pleasantly numbing. The dragon starts circling one of the smaller lakes. I liked at one point Harry's like, I don't know when this is going to end. Like we're flying, we might fly over the ocean. We could go to Antarctica. I don't know where dragons like spend their time or where this one wants to go. But anyway, it's like kind of circling. It's making the slow descent to a lake. Harry tells Ron and Hermione that they need to jump when they get low enough so the dragon doesn't notice when they get low enough. They do. Seems dangerous. Says the drop was like much farther than Harry anticipated because I guess he's bad at like depth perception. Harry and I have in common having zero ability to estimate. Yeah. (laughs) Time, distance, number of things. I have no spatial reasoning and neither does Harry. So nobody, nobody gets like hurt any more than they already were though and the dragon doesn't notice it's too busy lapping up water and enjoying its newfound freedom the trio swim to shore they swim slash wade it's kind of a muddy lake that details completely unimportant to like that's why we're gonna get to 17 minutes of summary that's the quibbler we know and love the trio treat their horrible burns with essence of ditney which is in hermione's bag a lot of people got in touch with us with their own quibbles about like these bo- about the bottomless bags and why wizards don't carry them all. Somebody suggested why don't they just do this to their pockets? Oh my god! What if you just had bottomless pockets? That'd even be better than the bag. Wait, because Hermione's so always got to like smart. tie this around her sock. I, or do it with like a fanny pack, honestly. Yeah, like fanny packs should be in fashion in the wizarding world, and they should be Mary Poppins fanny packs. Also, like I'm very hooked on the idea of thinking about this specifically in Mary Poppins terms. <laughs> Another listener pointed out this would also be a good way to store gold. Ah, that's true. Since it's weightless, anyway don't remember the, it's weightless don't, but what's funny is it makes the sounds of like the actual because there's like one very funny description of hermione's like clanking like little wedding clutch it's like it clearly like they have those objects have like physical reality like within this bag and they make noise but they don't weigh anything it's like haptic responses or whatever what is that like your phone it's when your phone makes a little tiny physical like movements for your device like based on what you're doing even though it doesn't need to do that to work to just show that you like something is in it or you're doing something i am i don't know what you mean by that at all so like haptic feedback is when you like press a little harder on an app icon and it like does something different it like kind of jumps so it feels like there's different physical rules uh on your like iphone screen okay well whoever came up with that is actually a genius because those are incredibly satisfying responses to like touching a device yeah it's like it's like non-verbal communication and between you and your phone and we're like other yeah i'm sure there's like more to the word haptic than just that because uh as everyone knows by now i am not a technologist or scientist whatsoever but anyway there's dinosaurs some, require physics there's what some did nice you say dinosaurs are for you physics need, dinosaurs need physics to survive or something like that i don't know this was many episodes ago but the odd the, the hermione's beaded bag has some nice like haptic feedback features you can tell that a lot of stuff is in it because it like kind of clanks and jangles Yep, anyway. But it doesn't, like, weigh as much. But it's, like, a good way of, yeah, it, it conveys the information about, like, what's inside of it without having to, like, she doesn't have to, like, pull up a drop-down menu that says, like, there's a lot of shit in your bag. <laughs> Wizards would never invent drop-down menus. But anyway, uh, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Honestly, the little tiny sort of, like, visceral details of how technology 
tells us what it's doing is fascinating to me. Like, I love the sounds. Or, like, I don't like the sounds themselves, but one of the things I find most fascinating is, like, how, like, developers, and specifically kind of, like, front-end or, like, UX developers decide, like, what noise any given sort of functionality will make. I also am really interested in, like, Foley work in general. I don't know. I like noises. That's a very childish thing to say. <laughs> but I do. I like thinking noises about... Noises are awesome. I like thinking about why the sounds that, like, happen in on our technology or in our movies, like, what made them and what, like, hilarious person was like, oh, we need to crunch leaves. Like, what if I just, like, put potato chips in my hand and, like, squeeze? Is that how they make the leaf sound? That's how I would make a leaf sound. Right. I don't know the answer. I just, <laughs> if I were doing Foley work and I was like, what do leaves sound like? The first thing I would try is crunching potato chips in my hand. Well, anyway. Somebody hire me as a Foley artist on <laughs> zero qualifications except my imagination. So the trio swim to shore and Harry starts putting up protective spells because, you know, he's kind of in the routine of that. They also treat their horrible burns with essence of Dittany. Ron at one point literally watches the skin regrow on his hands and I don't think we covered enough in the last chapter how much pain everybody is in because they all were like buried in red hot burning treasure. Weirdly I had the impression that it was like a sensory experience but not actually wounding them. Oh I think they were quite burned. No I know I when in this chapter you see that they were but I imagined it being like more not psychosomatic exactly but like they were experiencing burns but they weren't getting like physically like because this would kill you. Yeah. That's the part that maybe doesn't make sense, is like, if these are real burns, like, they would be dead. This level of burns across this much of their bodies, like, it wouldn't just be, like, flesh wounds. Like, they would be very, 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 very badly hurt. Have we just, have we talked about whether wizards are just kind of inherently more durable than muggles? I don't, Maybe yeah. that's true. I don't know. I can't tell. But I imagined that they were, like, having, like, the sensory experience of being badly burned, but they weren't physically actually burned because, like, yeah, these burns would definitely kill them. Well, anyway, they set up their, like, mobile burn unit and get healed. Sure would be nice if they'd give Essence of Dittany to, I don't know, anybody else, but that's a whole other episode <laughs> that we've had. The trio kind of collectively start to take stock of where they're at. Ron says on the bright side, we got the Horcrux. On the downside, Harry finishes his sentence, no sword. Ron calls Griphook a, quote, double-crossing little scab, unquote, which, I mean, takes one to know one, buddy. <laughs> Hermione wonders aloud what will happen to the dragon. Ron says, it's us we need to worry about. What do you mean, Hermione asks? And Ron says, well, I don't know how to break this to you, but, and this is a direct quote, I think they might have noticed that we broke into, but, 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 motherfucking Gringotts. That's what Ron says. And the trio laugh super hard at this. They just start like LOLing, like I think ruffling actually. And like Harry's sides start to ache. Once they start laughing, they can't stop. It's just, it's a cathartic lakeside moment. They finally collect themselves and Hermione asks what they should do next. But all of a sudden, pain sears across Harry's head and he's sucked into Lord Voldemort's mind at a very convenient moment, narratively. All of a sudden, Harry, seeing through Voldemort's eyes, is standing in a dimly lit room amid a semicircle of wizards. Why don't they have, like, decent lighting? Oh, you read my mind. That Voldemort, it, like, put, like, change the light bulbs, bud. Why you, is it dim everywhere? You read my mind, because my next note is a couple questions. One, 
Why so dimly lit? Maybe it's like Voldemort has like sensory integration issues or something like that. Or maybe he's just like, you know what? No harsh overhead lighting, Wormtail. Like, he's like, make it a little more, give it some more ambiance. Some he atmospheric hates, villain lighting. Dude hates fluorescence. He's like, it's really bad for morale, you know? Uh, okay, but so you is. You can't sleep at night with that much, like, like bright light, you know? Dungeon gonna... <laughs> lighting is also bad for morale. Also, he's got them standing in like a semicircle. There's no chairs or anything. Like, what? He's like, okay. For the interrogation, lower the lights. Everyone get in a semicircle. You know your positions. Okay, now bring in the goblin. There's a small quaking goblin standing before Lord Voldemort who's interrogating them. He says, my lord, we tried to stop them, but imposters broke into Gringotts. Lovo says, I thought you had ways of detecting imposters, which... Us too, bro. We thought the exact same thing. So listen Turns to episode... Turns out they do. They just put them in a really stupid 96. place. Yeah, yeah. And the goblin's like, but we do, my lord. They just don't work super well. Uh, Voldemort's like, why don't you put the thief's downfall at the door? Put it at the entrance. <laughs> Voldemort and me agree on something. Uh, another listener point. Oh, I wish I'd, I should have taken down everyone's like screen name so I could properly credit you all, but uh, somebody suggested just... Did you say screen name? Like it's 1999? Handle, their handle? Their online handle? Uh, another listener suggested that maybe you couldn't just... Maybe that is like a natural stream that's been enchanted. You couldn't just move it to the front. That makes sense. Wizards can definitely move it to the front. <laughs> Are you kidding also, me? Also, just enchant different water. Yeah, just honestly, like, make a water feature. Like, well, hire a fucking... Hire four seasons landscaping <laughs> and have them design a water feature and then enchant that water. It's four seasons total landscaping. I apologize. Uh, do you think we'll remember what that joke refers to if we listen to this again in like 10 years? Yes, I probably. think I'm never going to forget four That'll seasons be. total landscaping. <laughs> I think I'm going to think about it before I go to bed every night for the rest of my life. A listener in Philly also sent us a photo of a Four Seasons Total Landscaping truck in their neighborhood. It was a celebrity yeah. sighting. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are all questions Lord Voldemort would probably ask this unnamed goblin if he had more time. The goblin says, it was the Potter boy who broke in and two accomplices. Lovo, fear gripping him, asks, what did they take? The goblin says, a small golden cup, my lord. And then Voldemort just fucking loses it melts down he starts screaming in rage he's like ah oh, thinking to himself like how is it possible that the boy could have discovered my secret he goes on a literal killing spree he uses a vada cadaver on the goblin and then just starts like killing other people in this fucking semicircle bellatrix and lucius malfoy are like oh shit and start like like fucking vault over other people to like get to the door it's like lobo just like keeps murdering people like how many Death Eaters did this guy have? Like, I don't... I don't actually attrition, think that they're, like, disposable. Like, there's not actually that... We yeah. kind of know a lot of them by name. Nor like, do they seem to be adding to their ranks. He's like, whoa. So Voldemort, like, fucking wipes out, like, 25% of his, like, reserves. His, like, fucking orange Just because chart. he, like, has no emotional regulation skills. Which is just actually one of the main features of villains in books. And, like, and in general. And actually most of the villains in my own life, the main lack is just like the basic skill of like managing your feelings on a regular basis. So Voldemort, he's finally alone with his thoughts. 
which I don't know, is that a great place to be if you're Lord Voldemort? Nah, dog. <laughs> Voldemort, nah. left alone with his thoughts, starts to wonder if the boy knows about the other Horcruxes. So he starts kind of making a mental list of his Horcruxes. The and picturing in perfect detail exactly <laughs> where they're them. hidden. Yep. The diary is destroyed. The cup is now gone. What about the others, he thinks? He's like, could Dumbledore be behind this? Yeah, dog. Dumbledore is definitely behind this. This is one area where Voldemort's paranoia serves him well. Voldemort also wonders, he's like, would I know if the other Horcruxes were destroyed? Surely I would. I'm the greatest wizard ever. The most powerful of all. Quote, the killer of Dumbledore and of how many other worthless, nameless men. Unquote. Bro, you didn't even kill Dumbledore. That was Snape. That's like the most famous spoiler ever. Snape killed Dumbledore. You did not kill Dumbledore. I like that he's just retconned himself onto the astronomy tower, being like, ah, yes, Avada Kedavra, Dumbledore. Lovo did not kill Dumbledore. I mean, Dumbledore essentially killed himself. This is fucking stolen valor here. This is stolen stolen Death Eater valor. But, like, straight up, like, Dumbledore killed himself. I mean, whatever. This also goes to, like, this is all part of, like, Lovo's narcissism of him thinking that his, like, minions are just extensions of himself and not, like, people with their own agendas. Yeah. So, but we will discuss all of that in our section titled On Hubris. I don't know if that's actually what we titled it in the notebook. I actually, On Anything, I think, is, like, the worst possible way to title anything, so I would never make that decision. You wouldn't? No. It's so cliched. It'd be a good essay title to have an essay called Against On. That, I'm sure that exists. It only, yeah, there's actually no original ideas. <laughs> it's just like preposition, preposition. <laughs> so Voldemort continues running through his fucking mental checklist. So he thinks, okay, there's Marvolo Gaunt's ring. There's no way Harry Potter could have known that I hid the ring in Marvolo Gaunt's shack. And also, nobody knows I'm related to the Gaunts, so, okay, that's probably all right. Uh, I like that he's- like, there's no way there's something called (laughs) Ancestry.com. This is, like, kind of cool how Lovo's, like, going through, you know when you're, like, really trying to reassure yourself about something? This is, like, the kind of stages of panic. So he's like, also, nobody ever figured out that, like, I killed the Gaunts, like, surely that one's chill. Also, the locket, my zombie army is way too badass. It's in a fucking deep, dark cave. Nobody could ever get to it. And then there's Hogwarts. My Horcrux in Hogwarts, hope no one is telepathically reading my mind, is definitely safe because only I have, quote, plumbed the deepest, darkest secrets of that place, unquote. Then he thinks about Nagini. He's like, Nagini has got to always be by my side now. No more pet sitters. No more <laughs> no more wag.com or whatever. Like straight up What's no the- more having my snake run errands for me. <laughs> like I cannot I can no longer send my snake out to do murders uh, on my behalf. It's also like get a Patronus, dude. No, because he doesn't have any I actually think that probably canonically Voldemort can't conjure a Patronus. Oh. Because he doesn't he doesn't have enough soul left to experience joy. Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. I think probably Voldemort can't do a Patronus, Point right? Point for J.K. Rowling. I mean, I think you're right. We've never seen a Voldemort Patronus. No, because I think that he actually has like, like he slashed his soul to bits to the point that like the amount of like human feeling you need to conjure a Patronus, like he doesn't have anymore. Rover is the uh, online pet walking, pet sitting business. So not Wag. Wag is like, I think, would they bring you pet food? Cool. Anyway, no more using Rover. 
for to take Nagini for walks. Nevertheless, Voldemort decides that he must go on a Horcrux tour to redouble their protection, Horcrux maintenance mode. Then he starts thinking to himself, you know, doubt is ever clawing at Lovo. He's like, is it possible that Dumbledore could have guessed my connection to the Gaunts? After all, I'm fucking named after them! <laughs> what a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, and I just sort of left it in the shack, so it was like the worst protected. He's like, I did put it underneath like some plastic dog shit, so maybe no one could have touched the ring. <laughs> uh, but he's like, no, the lake, the lake is too like impossible. But Dumbledore might have heard what happened to the orphanage, because like detective work. Research. <laughs> yeah. But he feels like the Hogwarts Horcrux should be reasonably safe because Potter can't get back to the school or Hogsmeade undetected. Nevertheless, Lovo decides to warn Snape that Harry might return to the castle, but he thinks to himself, I'm definitely not going to tell Snape why Harry might be returning, because that would be stupid. Quote, it had been a grave mistake to trust Bellatrix and Malfoy. Didn't their stupidity and carelessness prove how unwise it was ever to trust? Unquote. So, real emo Voldemort. It's like, oh, why me? All my friends. It's this is why I don't trust anyone. As you're doing this, this is, by the way, not a summary. This is more words than are in this book. So it's... But I hadn't realized until you were non-summarizing. The stupidest thing of all here is that Lovo still has no idea that Snape is like 150% absolutely for sure like a triple agent. <laughs> Voldemort continues to be like, oh, better clue Snape in. And it's like, bro, Snape knows. He out here having known all along about the Horcruxes. He's the only person other than Harry, Ron, and Hermione who knows that all this shit is going down. Also, he's like tracking Harry. Yeah. Snape knows it all, which is, I mean, God, I'm I'm both excited about and dreading the always chapter because it's, it's going to take us four hours to talk about how inane that plot twist is. It's a lot to unpack. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, wow, we are at... 32 minutes and 30 seconds, hey, and we are not done with the summary. With edits, it'll definitely be down to 30 minutes. <laughs> so, Voldy's being real emo. He decides to visit the shack first and bring Nagini with him. And then Harry is jolted back to himself, and he thinks, man, Voldemort's a whiny little bitch. No, he doesn't think that. He should. Uh, <laughs> he knows, he tells Ron and Hermione. He's going to check the other Horcruxes. Also... I was right. The other Horcrux is at Hogwarts. Gold star for me. 6,000 points to Gryffindor. Uh, are they still doing points at evil Hogwarts now? It's just always it's the Slytherin. It's always Slytherin. <laughs> Hermione says, no, we can't just go back to Hogwarts. We gotta have a plan. We need to... And it's just like, Harry's like, have you been paying attention, Hermione? Like, that's not how things are done around here anymore. <laughs> like, we don't make plans. We're going for it. So Harry's like, time is of the essence. We got to fucking get a move on. Voldemort's going to check on all the other Horcruxes in an order that is maximally advantageous to us. But once he figures out they're gone, he might move the Hogwarts Horcrux. So we got to go. The trio start to pack up, but they take a moment to watch the dragon fly away after drinking its fill of water. That's a nice moment. So they get underneath the invisibility cloak and prepare to apparate. And Harry says, it looks like this was our final hiding place. Ba, ba, ba. That's He doesn't actually say that. But that's what happens in this week's chapter. And I think we exceeded 
17 minutes. By a little bit, yeah. But maybe if we took out the parts where you talk, (laughs) would you like to do that? No. (laughs) I did also tell an anecdote about an anecdote, aka our friend talking about animal (laughs) babies incorrectly. So the actual literal first thing I thought as I was reading this chapter was like, in any other Harry Potter book, this dragon escape would be, it would get them in so much fucking trouble. Do you remember when they drove the Fort Anglia to Hogwarts and they like really, really almost got expelled and Snape was basically like, this is a national security emergency? Yeah, I don't understand why, yeah, why isn't the Ministry of Magic, even the like fucked up Voldemort ministry, like scrambling, I don't know, whatever the wizarding equivalent of fighter jets are after this dragon who's going to expose the entire wizarding world. It's like flying over fucking London. Also, hasn't like the Royal Air Force like picked this thing up on their radars? Yeah, I was going to say, like developed countries. This is like the early 2000s, right? Canonically. (laughs) No, they've had radar since like Like, the Second World War. Well, I was going to say also, but like, yeah, Britain is definitely like cataloging the like unidentified objects in its airspace (laughs) like someone in the fucking military has like seen this item i'm just imagining i have this like delightful headcanon where some very like stiff upper lip royal air force whatever commander i don't know the ranks in england comes to lieutenant i know they say lieutenant the the raf lieutenant shows up in the office of who I continue to imagine as prime minister right now, which is Hugh Grant, in love actually, and is like, we think we saw a dragon. And he's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh, my. Oh, my. No, that's not what Hugh Grant sounds like. I can't do a British Meanwhile, accent. he's out here trying to like fuck Natalie, who like he has literally never heard talk. In my mind, love actually and Harry no, Potter. No, that's, that's the Colin Firth fucking plot line. No, it's also the Hugh Grant plotline. Oh my god! Do the women, the women just don't talk? No, every and the men pursue literally in love every plotline in Love Actually is falling in love with a woman you have never heard speak. <laughs> oh my god! It is dark. Like the Kira Knightley timeline is actually here is a woman who I am completely obsessed with. Despite the fact that I have zero insight into her personality. And I've never spoken to. Same wow. with the Liam Neeson plotline, which is just wanting to fuck Claudia Schiffer. And then a mom, cheekily played by Claudia Schiffer, shows up like at the airport and they fuck. <laughs> the ugly guy, that's mean. But you know, you know the ugly guy. No, I don't. Have you not seen Love Actually? Yeah, I have. Are you talking... Rowan Atkinson? He's not... No, 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 no. That's Mr. Bean. No, no, no. That's Mr. Bean. But he's like a jeweler or something. I don't think Alex has seen Love Actually. Yes, no. He's like... He works in the jewelry department. Tweet at us if you would like us to do a Love Actually commentary. Twitter.com slash Quibbler Podcast. (laughs) It's not actually how Twitter works. At Quibbler Podcast on Twitter. Okay. Wait, who do you think is ugly in it? That... the, The caterer guy. The young guy that's like, I'm... Ugly, but I have a British accent, so I'm going to America to oh. fuck hot Americans. Colin. See, I watched this movie. Colin. His name is Colin. Colin. Anyway, the way that he fucks Eliza Cuthbert, I think is her name, or Alicia Cuthbert, who is gorgeous, like 
unbelievably beautiful is by saying things in a British accent, such as the word table, which sounds the same. Hello, hello. Oh, I mean, I'm essentially. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Ow! It's Benny like a full, thoughts. like, Eliza Doolittle, like, <laughs> the roin and spine! Benny thought of fuck, Governor. This episode is unhinged. <laughs> Welcome to Day After Thanksgiving, very short chapter, absolutely off its rocker, Quibbler podcast. Where were we? What were we, we even were talking, talking about? about the, dragon the dragon escaped, and then you, you were like, oh, love actually expanded universe... In my brain, the latter Harry Potter books take place right. under the administration of Hugh Grant in Love Actually. So yes, maybe, that is something I fully believe. Maybe the believe. fact that no one is going after this dragon is it's a because, symptom of the dysfunction in the Ministry of Magic because the Death Eaters are actually really shitty at running things. I suppose, yeah, that's possibly true. I mean, I think, yes, what we have learned is the Death Eater administration is deeply ineffectual. Also, it'd be super easy to find the trio because... Like the they're on a dragon. dragon. Like follow the reports of muggles who've checked themselves into psychiatric facilities (laughs) because they have just seen a dragon like over their fucking cottage. Maybe it's these these muggles are out here like on holiday and they're like, wow, this lake is really pleasant. Too bad there's a dragon and I have lost my mind. Does Stan Shunpike say this in the books or is it only in the movie? prisoner of azkaban where he says oh the muggles they don't notice much at all do they maybe it's like that uh straight up the muggles have noticed this dragon (laughs) i believe it's gonna be one of those like unexplained mysteries there's gonna be like shows about it like 10 years from now the mysterious like lake country dragon like the phoenix like the mysterious phoenix lights or whatever it's gonna be like bigfoot yeah i mean this is gonna be like a cryptozoological phenomenon for like, yeah, like decades in the UK where there are like periodic tabloid stories of somebody who like saw the dragon. And it's like, oh fuck, but this one's real. I wonder what happens to it. I hope it just goes and has a nice life. It goes free. And, but the th- that's what's wild is like a normal wizarding government would be like, this is a national security nightmare. We just have a loose dragon <laughs> in like lake country. This is a disaster in any other of these books. Maybe it goes and becomes besties with the Loch Ness Monster, Aww. who is also probably real. actually real in the Harry Potter universe. I mean, real in the real world. I and believe in Nessie. I don't actually, guys, I don't believe in Nessie. <laughs> Nessie's real in our in hearts. Our hearts. Yeah. It's true. It's like Christmas. Yes, Virginia. There is <laughs> there a Loch Ness, is a Loch Ness, Loch Ness Monster. monster. <laughs> the other thing that's very funny and very on brand for the trio, is Harry's like, wow, I did not think for even one actual second how we were going to get off this dragon. At one point, Harry's like, I mean, this dragon could fucking fly to Antarctica. Like, we don't know how far or how we long dragons where can it's fly. Going. But we, have, we also have no concept. This dragon seems to fly like an airplane. Yeah, we don't know how fast it's going. I mean, he could this have, dragon like, could fly them to fucking China. He could have like blinked out for a second and been like, like in the sky, and they wake up, and there's like, man, there's like a lot of lakes down there. Seems like there's a thousand lakes down there. Oh fuck, we're in Minnesota. You were so excited to make a land of a thousand land lakes of joke. a thousand lakes. That was. <laughs> Are they in Minnesota? I, mean, I don't know. This is like no, a they're not truly surreal line of they're thought. They're describing mountains, and Minnesota is mostly it's just flat and lakey. Well, I mean, it's just very funny that they're like two thirds of the way through this journey. Harry is like, 
how do we get out of this? And so, that's like Harry's full MO. Like they get like past <laughs> the fool's no, not why do I keep calling it the fool's the downfall? Fool's downfall, the thieves we get downfall. Past the thieves, no, the fool's I mean it down, is the fool's the downfall. The fool's downfall, which downfall is, is when you put riding the a track. dragon <laughs> out of Gringotts is the fool's downfall. <laughs> the fool's downfall is when you put your thieves downfall deep inside the vaults instead of at the fucking it's just front like door. Banana peel after banana peel. <laughs> this is the fool's downfall. Um Did you ever play that game Mousetrap? Is it like a board game? Yeah, it's a board game. No. But you like build like elaborate traps for this mouse. Oh, yes. I played that. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. That's what Gringotts is to me. It's just the <laughs> it's game of mouse the trap. Case. But no, I, I just love that much like when they get past that waterfall, Harry's like, fuck, what's our exit strategy? He's the definition of we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. He's, yeah improvisational but it's like the bridge is behind us and on fire (laughs) so he has no idea how they're gonna get off could they apparate off the dragon like it seems like they don't necessarily need for the dragon to like well they can teleport anywhere okay but i wonder though like because the dragon is like living like if they because you have you're like touching like you can co-apparate Mm. So like if they so apparate, they does, does the dragon the just dragon come with them? Into that's, that's a good kinda, question. Like because I'm wondering, like because they're like clinging to this creature, like if they apparate, will they like necessarily? I don't know if there's like a mind meld you can do where like you decide who you co-apparate with, or if you just anyone you're touching like comes with you. Well, then they should apparate to like a dragon farm or whatever. I don't know that they know where one of those is, my That's love. true. Okay. My thought about the apparition limits was maybe because they're going so fast, maybe you have to stand still to apparate. Because, like, think about it. If you're on a dragon that's going, like, fucking 200 miles an hour Are you about to do a word whatever, problem? Like an SAT word problem? No, but problem? think about it. Think about it. If you, like, apparate, are you still moving at that velocity wherever you apparate to? Because, like, let's say you're going 200 miles an hour on the back of the dragon. First of all, do you think this dragon goes 200 miles we an hour? We don't know how fast this dragon goes. Yeah, Okay, probably true. not. That's insane. Uh, I don't know math. Or really, my brain is just not rooted in the physical world <laughs> Like physical whatsoever. reality, yeah. even a little. Anyway, this dragon is still going. Even if this dragon is going, like, 50 miles an hour, like, that's still pretty fast. If you aporated... Would you still be moving through physical space at 50 miles per hour I don't wherever know why you operated to? Be. Why would that be the case? I mean, are you like thinking about like an object in motion stays in motion? Well, because you're usually standing still when you operate. But okay, not so you're not even still. kind of thinking about like actual physics. Because like there is an argument to be made for this, and like you're not making it. <laughs> wow. That's I'm harsh. sorry, that was that was a serious physics burn. I don't know that well, much about physics. Explain to me the physics of this. Well, okay, so like an object Why don't in motion... Teleportation, does teleportation exist in physics? I guess maybe in quantum physics? Do you know what that quantum seems... physics is? Yeah, there's quarks and like quanta and stuff, right? There's quantum entanglement. I know that word. And what is Spooky it? Spooky action at a distance is another phrase that I am aware of existing in the world. Can I explain it? This is delightful. No, it may explain ghosts because the word <laughs> spookies in <laughs> because the word spookies okay. in the sentence. We okay. cannot linger on quantum physics, which I continue to believe it's not super clear that you know what that we is. We might cut our longest episode ever on this like seven page chapter. It's I cannot <laughs> emphasize enough how extremely short this chapter is. But we're feeling good, so we're just gonna keep talking. We've I got mean the holiday spirit fueling us. The point is 
they don't have a plan and so they just jump which is just so on brand for these these silly silly children they bail out yeah they they don't even tuck and roll yeah no and it totally works they but go that's feet, fine actually feet first of like that's a good strategy it's not the worst one right it's, they don't belly flop no that's harry's true. not like okay everyone belly flop <laughs> that would be very very cannonball silly. we're gonna cannonball <laughs> into this lake i do find there's like this pretty great like ron tent moment <sighs> yes i love good ron tent ron is like he says this that his very funny sarcastic like i don't know if you noticed but uh they might know we broke in what'll happen to it do you think she asked will it be all right you sound like hagrid said ron it's a dragon hermione it can look after itself it's us we need to worry about what do you mean well i don't know how to break this to you said ron but i think they might have noticed we broke into Gringotts. All three of them started to laugh. When one started, it was difficult to stop. Harry's ribs ached. He felt lightheaded with hunger, but he lay back on the grass beneath the reddening sky and laughed until his throat was raw. What are we going to do, though? <laughs> said Hermione finally, hiccuping herself back to seriousness. That laughing fit? It's the first time that they've gotten to experience, like, I mean, it's not joy. Like, it is this, like, catharsis. It's like it's almost like a physical reaction yeah. of, like, shedding the, like, level of, like, stress and pain they're feeling, like, through their laughter. But it is a, it's actually a really sweet little moment. And we have to give Ron credit for being the character that brings those moments on, like, mm -hmm. most often. Like, Ron is the one that's kind of, like, everybody just, like, pause and, like, shake it off. He's the morale guy. He is the morale guy, except when he is like ruining morale by being like pretty. By being cursed by a Horcrux. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was that rough. Was, that too. was a shitty moment. Poor guy. Even with the cup, he's like, oh, at least we can't wear this run around our necks. Okay. And it's like, yeah, that's why you betrayed us, bud. But also, why couldn't you wear it around your neck? He said they would look stupid. Stupider than wearing a ring around your neck? I guess a cup is a little different. I don't They're know. not wearing a ring. It's a locket. It's oh, a, a locket. necklace. Sorry. That makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, so I've been reading The Lord of the Rings. I've been re-listening to The Lord of the Rings, so that's why I was thinking of Also, Ronic. lots of people wear rings. And there was necks. a ring. There was Gaunt's ring. But I know, but Dumbledore, Dumbledore had that. took care of that shit. We gotta move along. Yes. Um, Let's talk about this Voldemort freakout. First of all, this is such a J.K. Rowling moment of the convenience of this plot device is just infinite. <laughs> Like, she's like, oh, God, I'm like 90% of the way through this book, and I have crucial information that I have yet to even kind of figure out how to convey to my main character. What if it just, like, telepathically drops into his brain? I mean, this has happened, like, several other times. Yeah, and it's always annoying. Yeah. This is like a Dobby, like, oh, Dobby showed up, like, ooh. Here's the key facts you need, Harry Potter. Yeah, I don't know. It's I a mean, little, it's a little. It's efficient. It's easy. Yeah, it's efficient because we get, it's efficient because she can kill two birds with one scone or the less violent way to say that. You said scone already. You said scone. You can, have I said, I've said nothing No, just new. now you said to kill oh. two birds with one scone. <laughs> She's killing, why can't I talk today? I don't know. I think you might be hungover. It's, yeah, I might be Thanksgiving hungover. Uh... She's killing two birds with one stone with this, or if you prefer, 
a more peaceful way to say the uh, aphorism. She's feeding two birds with one scone, which is a weird thing to like, sorry, this is another tangent, but I've seen people say we shouldn't talk about killing birds. So say we're feeding two birds with one scone. And it's just like, dude, one scone would feed like 200 birds. birds. (laughs) Like birds have like a couple crumbs of a scone and they're like, man, I'm good. I could like fly forever. But anyway. Wait, I want to tell you. So a man I work with. (laughs) No, a, a man I work with who is a poet and I find to be like a deeply like wise person. He says feeding two birds with one seed. That's his expression. See, that's nice. Feeding two birds with one scone. Those birds would die from overeating of a scone. Like, <laughs> like one scone was like... too much bread, They're bud. like, man, we've got enough scone here to last us through the fucking winter. Anyway, which anyway, two birds is she, she feeding is with this seed? feeding with this seed. We get to see what's up with Lord Voldemort in a way that's not clunky, where she doesn't have to, like, do a whole... One I'm sorry, these, are like, we sure this isn't clunky? Uh, it's less clunky than it could be, because otherwise she'd have to do one of the breakaway chapters... Where which she doesn't do very often, and they're only meant to convey like really special information, and they're usually at the beginning of the book. She doesn't like to break away from Harry that often, so we get to see what's up with Voldemort, and also Harry gets this information he needs to like finish the quest. So I don't know, maybe it's a little clunky, but yeah, it's efficient. It gets the job done. It's true. It's just, I mean. Whatever. I guess in some ways it's just like this is how books work. Like you have to convey the plot somehow. But I just it's funny to me that like the only time that this sort of like telepathic link opens between the two of them is when one of them has crucial plot information that the other one like needs to know in order for like the next action to occur. It sort of makes sense though because the times that Harry gets sucked into Lovo brainland or whatever. (laughs) Are, like, really high emotion. Are, like, really high emotion. And they're usually when, like, some serious shit has gone down that's, like, really critical to... The Vol- plot. Yeah. And to Voldemort in general. So, Very like, convenient. the most high emotion sort of... It sort of makes sense. Like, this is this is justified fairly well. Because this is something that would cause Voldemort to, like, as we're going to discuss in a minute, like... Lose control. Just completely, like, be, like, overwhelmed with fucking feelings or whatever and Voldemort when he is overwhelmed loses control of his ability to like block Harry from his sort of like the like telepathic tunnel yeah but it's interesting that Voldemort doesn't know that because we're going to talk in a second about the level of like hubris here yes and one of the things that that sort of blinding self-regard gives you is like you have no sense of whether or not you're successfully doing anything and in this case, he does not know that he is very unsuccessfully like blocking that channel off. It's funny to see Voldemort be just as surprised as you and I are about how incredibly inept the security at Gringotts <laughs> is. He's like, I had the impression that it was like very hard to break in. So like, walk me through what happened here. And they're like, it turns out it's very easy, sir. <laughs> and he's like, okay, that's a problem for me as a consumer. They're like, but don't worry. We have the fucking like Goblin Deposit Insurance Corporation or whatever. <laughs> GDIC. So, listen, you'll be compensated. And he's like, I don't know if you can pay me back a small shard of soul. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about how you ensure my sort of my being in like space and time. (laughs) But no, his full like, let me speak to your manager energy here. I mean, honestly, 
this is like the only moment that's fairly justified like don't murder the goblin like that's fucked but him being like I had pretty sound assurances from a lot of people that this couldn't happen and they're like yeah I mean it did and he's like (laughs) yeah no like I as a paying customer that's a problem for me is he a paying customer? It's not even in... Yeah, but it's like Bellatrix's and like he... His she's, fault. They're like common law fucking or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to remind you of that dude, every chapter the goblins, of this book. The goblins should have been way more aggressive here. They should have been like, look, bro, this isn't even your vault. You're not the one that signed the like terms of service agreement or whatever on like this vault. Clicked except like, yeah, without this is doing like, any reading. This is Bellatrix's property, I'm man. I'm also sure that they're like... In the fine print, they're, like, not actually responsible for lost and stolen property. Because the goblins (laughs) seem savvy. Yeah. I mean, the goblins should fucking lawyer up here, but whatever. Well, they can't because they get murdered. Yeah, which is dark. Um, He just kills everyone. Yeah, which we sort of discussed earlier. I know. Yeah, we did. We got to it. It's a little shocking. I forgot that he just starts, like, straight up. genuinely pretty upsetting. Like, Like, to the point that the room, like, fills with green light. Because he's just, like, I mean, he's killing people as fast as he can physically say the words of Avada Kedavra. Can you, like, group Avada Kedavra? I don't know. I think, does it have to be individual I think you can, because remember, Peter Pettigrew kills, like, seven muggles with, like, one curse. But maybe that was just from exploding the street. Yeah, that's not actually okay. Peter also. Oh, no, it is. It is yeah, not it actually Peter serious. Pettigrew. No, yeah. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm incorrect about the plot. The deadliest people in the Wizarding World are auctioneers. <laughs> because they can just say <laughs> Avada Kedavra so really fast. It is. There, there is this, like... I know we talked about this before, but I just want to return for a moment to, like, the darkly comic moment of these, like... Tweedledee and Tweedle idiot, like Bellatrix and fucking Lucius Malfoy being like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, and just like punching people in the <laughs> face as they like run out of the room so that they're not the ones that Voldemort murders. I imagine them like fucking like frog hopping over people. Yeah. Like, no. It's, uh, <laughs> they're the worst. The fact, honestly, like the Malfoys are so completely irredeemable like their redemption sort of at the end of the book but like more specifically the like draco malfoy redemption in cursed child is like just embarrassing yeah it's like these guys like maybe don't put them in jail forever because like carceral state but like draco malfoy is not like a pal like (laughs) i don't know draco maybe we can forgive lucius and narcissa are garbage the worst worst. so i do want to talk about on hubris on hubris hubris? section but surely if the boy had destroyed any of his horcruxes he lord voldemort would have known would have felt it he the greatest wizard of them all he the most powerful he the killer of dumbledore and of how many other worthless nameless men How could Lord Voldemort not have known if he himself, most important and precious, had been attacked, mutilated? True, he had not felt it when the diary had been destroyed, but he had thought that was because he had no body to feel, being less than ghost. No, surely the rest were safe. The other Horcruxes must be intact. But he must know. He must be sure. The, like, mechanisms here, I mean, it's this very fun moment of almost, like, seeing, like, the gears of hubris turning. Like, she's 
depicted this really beautifully by like allowing us to see sort of beat by beat like Voldy's thought processes here because this like only I could know only I could do only I could solve mentality is his like very sort of Greek tragedy style like downfall like so let's go through all of the things that Voldemort is very very certain it would be impossible for someone else to figure out that is like extremely easy to figure out they're all in the end laughable except well yeah let's go in order well so he's got this like Dunning-Kruger thing where the like (laughs) not knowing what he doesn't know chasm is like enormous yes Dunning-Kruger is specifically the idea that the unknown unknown is like the because the thing is everybody has a Dunning-Kruger like space in their brain but like we none of us know it's like your blind spot essentially because none of us know what our unknown unknowns are but it's basically like people I mean I think the study was people who did they like took like standardized tests and like people who did really well on the test had a pretty good sense of like where their knowledge gaps were and people who did really badly on the test were significantly less aware of the things they didn't know. So like people coming out of the test who had like spectacularly failed would like drastically overestimate how well they did and people who had like done pretty well would like slightly underestimate. So like it's the sense that you you don't know what you don't know and the like larger that category is the least the less like successful you are in any given endeavor but what i was saying is lack of self-awareness but like everybody has this about something right but like people with like people who also have like kind of malignant narcissism like it grows you think you're way smarter well yeah you you have and you have just way less self-awareness about the the areas like you're basically your fucking growth areas right that's why like really exceptionally bad leaders like tend to think that they're pretty good leaders because they have no idea that they have growth areas, let alone the ability to kind of name them. Whereas like really skilled leaders, if you say like, what are you worst at? Like they're very good at answering that. Mm. You know, like if you talk to like a fucking CEO or whatever and you're like, what's the thing you're worst at? The person who can give a really specific detailed answer is much more likely to be overall very good at their job. Right. So we've got the Dunning-Kruger effect in full force here. Well, right, because so Voldemort, and also, like, if I butchered that, I'm sorry. That's, like... That's more, I think that's right? roughly correct. I think correct. that's, like, yeah. yeah. It's not only not knowing things, but, like, the real downfall is not knowing that there are a lot of things you don't know. Are we going to Dunning-Kruger ourselves trying to explain Dunning-Kruger? No. Our weaknesses that we can't really explain no, Dunning-Kruger. but, like, we know that that's our weakness, therefore we're not falling into this trap. That's true. So, anyway... Let's just go like hiding place by hiding place. So he's like, no way anybody can figure out the shack. Like, Ugh. despite the fact that my middle name is Marvolo and like Marvolo Gaunt is like the last in the line of like a like very sort of archetypal like fall from grace, like ancient family. Anybody who literally looks up my name. <laughs> yeah, he's like, how could anyone have guessed my security password that's was like, like my pet's name like yeah what's your what school did you go to first Nagini yeah. is absolutely <laughs> his password that, by the way that, and maybe one of the eyes <laughs> is a one and he's like secure but you know, but you know the like the like backup questions yeah, yeah, yeah. like even worse where it's like what's your mother's maiden name oh no one could guess that it was gaunt yeah. uh except 
Dumbledore who literally took you away from the fucking orphanage. And then he just hid the ring in, like, the ruins. He didn't even, like, put up ghosties yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah, there's, no spells. He's just like, yeah, I just left. Just like, I, just I just left just the most valuable thing I it. own in an abandoned house, which, I don't know, it could have been, like, bulldozed or something. I guess maybe not because weird magic reasons. But what? That is... He went all in on some hiding places. He's like, okay. Not even legend some. Of- one. One. He's like Legend of Del. He's like Legend of Zelda status. Like dungeon puzzles to solve, zombie armies, torture pond, the works, and then everything the other else. Horcrux, he just sort of he's throws like, ah, in the air. House, abandoned house. That well, seems like no one will go there. Okay, I'm gonna. I put like, a beware of dog sign outside. I'm like, gonna argue. Like I'm gonna take a pro Voldemort being right stance for a minute. If we know anything about wizards. It is that they are A, deeply uncurious, mm. and B, shite at research. <laughs> it actually isn't implausible to me that just like literally no one has done this work. Like Rita Skeeter seems to be the only person in the wizarding world who has ever like done like a first person interview. And she's a bad person and very like motivated by I don't know, particularly like, per, like by like particular animus, but no one else seems to. How is there not a huge biography of Voldemort like out there? Isn't there a like, book that Hermione reads about the Wizarding War, the first Wizarding War called Rise and Fall of the Dark Arts? Yeah, and it seems like there is nothing in there about Voldemort's biography. They're just like, and then one They're day, just like, and then this guy showed up and he had scary snake eyes. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no, it seems like nobody in the wizarding world has like sufficiently like actually completed the chain between like Tom Marvel or Riddle and Lord Voldemort. It makes sense though no, to me. No, they're terrible yeah, academics. But people don't even want to say his name. So like, I guess why would like you want to go motive. research him? You know, but it's like, do you really much... want to go talk to Voldemort's relatives? Like, maybe not a great this idea. This is also a world in which you can like make a fuck ton of money on like a splashy book like we're we understand Rita Skeeter is like wealthy like somebody would follow that like profit motive also all the purebloods are like obsessed with genealogy the family tree is literally like the wallpaper in the black mansion yeah so first of all I do think that Voldemort is correct that way fewer people have researched his past than you would expect. But even so, it's like, don't was, just yeah. throw it into a shack. This was not a hard problem So to then solve. he has this moment where he's like, the one at Hogwarts is safe because only I have like plumbed the depths of the school. Only I understand <laughs> like her secrets. And he's thinking of the room of the requirement. The literal room of requirement, which Dumbledore has just shat. In. Like multiple times, Dumbledore has just taken a dump in the hiding place of your Horcrux. It's like, okay, Voldemort, <laughs> do you know that that room is full of junk because it's other people's shit that they have hidden? <laughs> like literally hundreds of past and present Hogwarts students have like put their like homework in there. Harry uses it to hide the Half-Blood Prince book. Yeah, 
Malfoy and for, like, fucking like, Malfoy uses it to go in and out of the like haunted wardrobe. Yeah, everybody knows about the room of requirement. But I love. I mean, this is so wonderful. This is really good, kind of like villain psychological development where his downfall is that he thinks he's like smarter than everyone else. He's like, oh, I like know Hogwarts better than anyone. And it's like, haven't you seen the Marauders map, bud? It's also this funny moment of naivete. It's true. You know, he's got this like child eyed like wonder. Yeah. Like his own awesomeness. Child eyed was great. I know it was like childlike and wide eyed, like mushed together. Well, you know, I actually think child eyed is kind of great. Wow, should use that in a book. Um, Um. Go for it. (laughs) So the last thing though is he, and this is like on Harry, because if memory serves, which it very well might not, because clearly I don't remember this book very well, Harry actually doesn't figure out that Nagini is a Horcrux until the like crucial, like, final moment with Neville. Voldemort multiple times in this like extremely convenient sort of like telepathic scene is like also like better not let Nagini out of my sight. Like, ooh, <laughs> like better keep my snake close. Definitely has my soul in it. And Harry is like, oh, it's at Hogwarts, and doesn't figure out. He, like... It takes a while. I don't remember when he figures it out. But, but he doesn't figure later. it out right away. And so you can see Voldemort is just, like, envisioning. He's like, cup, locket, ring, diary, Person, snake. woman, camera, man, TV. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry's like, snake, like, what, but up, but uh, and... <laughs> Voldemort sure loves his pet. Yeah, uh... They have an uncommonly Just like, close bond. Spoiler alert, like sociopaths don't actually like their animals. Like it is interesting. I mean, or you they also like their animal way more way than anybody more than else. Any person. That seems to be the Voldemort thing here. It's just it's this very specific kind of villain thing where he sees like he doesn't have any object permanence. Like he has this idea that like when people aren't like physically around him, like there's no way that they're out there like doing other things. Right, yeah. He doesn't think other people have like motivations or agency or like of their intellect own, like, at all outside of what Voldemort is doing. So my question, a big question I have here is are we supposed to find Voldemort in this moment and in this book in general? Are we supposed to find him scary and cunning or kind of pathetic because this is all kind of pathetic so i think that the scariest villain is like when you get to this desperation like nothing left to lose like phase like people get the most dangerous when they're like spinning out so Voldemort's lack of control or his like mm. loss of control in this sort of the second half of this book is both like very pathetic, but also really, really, really dangerous. Like if you if you think about like, okay, this is going to be some kind of like mind hunter shit or whatever. If you think about like a serial killer, as they sort of like escalate, spree killing is when people get caught but it's also when they make their most kills. Because like as you get cornered, your like outs shrink, like your exits shrink and shrink and shrink. And so you become more dangerous as you become, I mean, think about like a cornered animal. Like that's when you get your fucking throat ripped out. So I think Voldemort is both like more pathetic and more terrifying in these sort of like final days. Right. Because I just like, I don't find, it's like scary what he's doing, but... I don't. I guess if you're in the room with him, it's like literally quite terrifying because he's just 
Right. But he's committing all these he murders. He is moving from like mastermind to like cornered creature. And like mastermind Voldemort is like in some ways significantly less dangerous because he's making like only strategic kills. Yeah. I, but when like you lose the sort of lens of like making strategic kills, that's when you are out. That's when you're just committing like completely random acts of violence. It's also like you get bloodier. It's interesting to see him so fragile and aggrieved in this moment. Yeah. He's very much like, mm, and my people I thought were my best friends. I can't trust them. I mean, I think like the thing about sort of like highly isolated, like sociopathic narcissists is most of their actions are driven by like grievances. Right. And they feel like the world is very unfair to them. Yeah. Uh, and the more powerful they are, the more they perceive a lack of fairness. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're subtweeting someone like pretty aggressively. Well, I was also thinking of like the Lord of the Rings because like the armies, sorry, spoiler alert for the Lord of the Rings, they like roll up to the like black gate and like Sauron's like emissary emerges and is like, you've all been very unfair to Sauron. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you show some respect, please? One thing I find really interesting is that Voldemort can't feel these Horcruxes getting destroyed which says something important, I think, about the state of his soul. Like, I think his soul is so badly damaged that it is basically, like, ceased to exist in any meaningful mm, way. Yeah. Because he can't feel pieces of it getting destroyed. Like, you'd think that somebody with, like, some version of, like, an intact self would be able to perceive pieces of it getting ruined. But right. I think he's so... I mean, it's just all, like, scar tissue at this point. Maybe if he had only one Horcrux... Yeah, exactly. But I think his, like, what's left of his soul is essentially, like, vestigial. Like, what's actually in his body. (laughs) Who's your unsung hero? My unsung hero is this poor unnamed goblin who really drew the short straw. I don't know. Is he a man? Is he a manager? Like, I don't know what position he's in the bank. But you can imagine this meeting. They're all like, okay, we got to have an all-hands meeting. Look, we had a break-in. Somebody took something really important to... Lord Voldemort, this is like the ultimate, okay, who's going to tell him, like, moment. So, I feel, this guy, he drew the, he drew the short straw. He's just like, you know what? These are paying customers. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go, like, (laughs) take some, take some responsibility here. Well, I think we actually have to lay a little bit of responsibility at the Golden Trio's feet here, because Harry, to his vast credit I think when he is thinking clearly is very invested in like avoiding collateral damage like he doesn't want anyone to get hurt as part of his like very harebrained schemes but that sort of doesn't seem to extend to the goblins Mm. which I think is like important broadly about how they think about sort of non-wizard magical creatures because I I think just realistically they all should have known that the second this got discovered yeah like Voldemort was gonna kill the people who failed to keep his treasures safe. It's not this fucking like middle management goblin's fault unless this is like the manager of Gringotts. Regardless, like like, it is not the fault. I mean, it's just, it's very uncharacteristic of Harry and company to really not consider the possibility that they're going to harm a lot of people by like, I mean, basically like Harry doesn't want to get people in trouble, but I think the fact that they don't think about the goblins as beings essentially, and therefore don't consider them like collateral. Yeah. I don't think he would have done this to house elves. 
think he would have done this to people either. Yeah. And then it is interesting. The goblins really are getting like screwed by both sides, the good wizards and the bad wizards. Yeah. And I didn't bring this up. La- I forgot to bring this up in the last episode, but there's that moment where Travers is talking about, oh, I hate dealing with our long fingered like friends. Like, I wish we didn't have to do that to like just get our money. And then Griphook is listening underneath the invisibility cloak and his long fingers like squeeze around Harry's neck. And there's like this parallel there because like Harry is also like using the goblins and for his own purposes and doesn't really like dealing with them and their like long fingers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a, it's very apt. It's like when you're an oppressed class, like there aren't like good guys and bad guys among the oppressors. Like whatever their like war is about, like you're fucked either way. Like they're gonna just harm you in like maybe slightly different ways. I I do kind of wonder though if this is also like, some kind of J.K. Rowling commentary on the, like, amorality of capital. Because Gringotts just keeps plugging along. They're like, okay, wizards were in charge. Now the bad wizards are in charge. Whatever. The bank still got to run. I don't think that's a commentary from J.K. Rowling. Because at this point in the writing of the series, J.K. Rowling is insanely rich. And as a general (laughs) rule, people that rich don't comment that often on the amorality of capital. But I mean, it's interesting that, like, you know, the bank, the bank keeps going, like, that you couldn't count on Gringotts to be like, you know what? The Death Eaters shouldn't be in charge. Maybe we're just going to, like, stop allowing withdrawals from happening. Like, the goblins could in this situation, don't you think, be like, hmm, yeah, we're not going to go to, we're not going to take that meeting. Like. I guess. I don't know how much power they actually have because also clearly they're pretty well aware that Voldemort will just kill them. Yeah. Like, they're completely disposable. It's actually interesting. Like, I'm sure this wasn't deliberate, but Ron calls Griphook a scab. Mm. Which, like, I don't know, like, from a labor perspective, like, you have to have the question of, like, are they thinking about these goblins as, like, crossing the Voldemort, like, picket line? But I think that's probably, like, reading way too deep. But I just think the word scab... And I also don't know what... Is that an American term? I don't know. That might be specifically an American term. In case... I mean, I think most people know this, but, like, a scab is a worker that, like, crosses a picket line when, like, the, the sort of the workers are striking at a particular workplace... So, yeah, again, probably reading too deep, but when Ron says scab, I'm like, huh, do we do we mean literally like that the the goblins are like scabbing for Voldemort? Well, probably not. There's not that many characters in this chapter. So my unsung hero has got to be goblin manager took some guts to take this meeting and he paid for it sadly my unsung hero is actually going to be Dumbledore whoa because as chaotic as his energy is Dumbledore managed to hide his sort of horcrux knowledge and mission from Voldemort for a shockingly long time I mean to be fair Voldemort is very stupid here but Dumbledore gave Harry a huge head start when you hear like Voldy kind of catalog all of the things that he's pretty sure are safe and you as the reader know aren't, you're like, Dumbledore did a bang up job actually getting most of these horcruxes. Like this is fairly impressive work. I also like how Dumbledore is disproving Voldemort's thesis around death being shameful and terrible and no one should like embrace like embrace it. And he even thinks like, how could Dumbledore be reaching out from like the, the ignominy of death like he's like oh fucking stupid Dumbledore he's dead being dead is such a 
dumb thing to be. And he just totally discounts the way people can like, I don't know, leave a legacy or right. affect the future even when they're no longer on this earth. So like Dumbledore is dead, but he's still fucking Voldemort up. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to the very fundamental belief of Lord Voldemort that dying is a weakness. Like being a being, being an entity that is mortal is like the greatest weakness of all and it's like no because Dumbledore is still actually literally better at like magic than you in the words of a great philosopher if you strike me down I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine what is that from you don't know what that's from no that's Obi-Wan Kenobi oh I don't know I mean (laughs) How do you not know that? Because I've seen all of those movies like <laughs> once in patchwork because I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I find them fairly boring. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm sorry. I mean, there's a reason we only make a Harry Potter podcast and that is because that is like our one pop cultural overlap <laughs> other than I guess the Muppets. Um, but that's okay because our marriage is strong despite it. That's true. Uh, differences can be a source of strength or something and we just don't don't watch movies together that often we watch movies together musicals we do also both like musicals we watched the best little whorehouse in texas over the weekend mostly because we're on a full dolly honor dolly parton like and her contribution to yeah did you guys know coronavirus vaccine research dolly is like why we have a vaccine so like bless her yeah uh google it the story will not disappoint anyway this week's episode is brought to you by unnamed lake a great place to crash the audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of penguin random house audio they are from jim dale's performance of harry potter and the deathly hallows we heard from a listener recently who talked about re-listening to all of the Jim Dale audiobooks as part of her um, kind of COVID self-care and uh, cannot recommend it enough. In terms of audio content, you really can't do better despite, you know, this being Harry Potter, which I guess we all have complicated feelings about these days, but still, uh, bless Jim Dale. They are cinematic. They, they are cinematic really... quality to God, them. And the it's number just of voices dude. he does. It's one dude. I know. It's one dude. It's unreal. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Probably subscribe is the most important part of that now, because as we've mentioned before, these are sporadically released, and uh, God only knows when you'll get the next one. But hopefully, it remains like fun, like a little treat. Reach out to us at quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. We've gotten some really lovely e-owls lately and um it's a delight to read them you can also dm us or just find us in general on social media at quibbler podcast on twitter and instagram um i guess we're technically on facebook but like we're grumpy with facebook so whatever do what you need to do and um next week we well next time uh we're planning some sort of holiday surprises we celebrate christmas so they will probably mostly be christmas themed but hopefully still fun if that's like not the holiday that like this winter brings you and uh in terms of harry potter chapters we will next be reading the one called the missing mirror so we're gonna meet aberforth and it's gonna be great thanks amigos was dumbledore at the root of this dumbledore dead on his orders dumbledore whose wand was his now Yet who reached out from the ignominy of death through the boy? You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. He paced the room, kicking aside the goblin's corpse as he passed. 
and the pictures blurred and burned in his boiling brain. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. A modicum of calm cooled his rage now. How could the boy know that... It's a uh, person, woman, man, camera, TV. But to be sure, to be utterly sure, he must return to each of his hiding places. Which should he visit first? Person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. Which was in most danger? And that's not an easy question. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Harry's eyes flew open as he wrenched himself back to the present. He knows, and he's going to check where the others are. And the last one, he was already on his feet, is at Hogwarts. I knew it! I knew it! Poor Cruxes. Poor Cruxes. Poor Cruxes. I said certified freak. Seven days a week. Wet ass. Nagini. Make that pullout game weak. 